beginning of a new year, obviously, and we have started a, a series that we're doing this month, as you saw on the screen. It's called Revision, uh, Year of Faith. And um, just to clarify, we're not revising the vision of the church. We're actually reinforcing the vision. You know, it's been a, last year was obviously, for many reasons, was a challenging year, to say the least. And, but we are not going to let fear derail the vision. We're not going to let anything stand in the way of the vision God has for his church. And specifically for New Hope. You know, one of the core values of the church here is that we would believe big, that we would have radical faith, that we would believe God can do exactly what he says he will do. And we're standing on that and we're believing that. You know, God gave us these eyes as the organ to see the physical, to see the natural. The organ he gave us to see the spiritual is our faith. That is, that is what he gave us so that we could see beyond the natural. In fact, the, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, he says, Now faith is being sure of what you hope for, and it's the evidence of things not seen with these eyes. So we see the things of the Spirit with our faith, with the eyes of our faith. And that's how we're encouraging you to live this year and to, to pursue God and to live for God in 2021. And uh, we're actually believing that God is going to do some really great things. I really do. I know sometimes it's easy to say that, but uh, I believe it with all my heart that God is doing stuff that's even under the surface that we don't even see now that we're going to see as we move forward this year. Uh, we have a th uh, text verse that we're using this whole month. In fact, if you would, as we do, if you'd stand with me, please, as we read this text verse together that we're using each week in this series, it's out of Hebrews 11 as well. It's verse 6. And it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Anyone want to please God? You know, in this room and for you listening online today or even later, it is a good thing to want to please God. In fact, in this room, it's the cool thing to want to please God. Youth, you guys want to be cool? You should want to please God. That's the cool thing to do. And, you know, that's God's desire for each and every one of us, but we can't do it without faith. And Jesus gives us invitations to go into deeper levels of faith with him. And each of these weeks, we're talking about the invitations of Jesus. Last week, it was the invitation to know him, where he invited Zacchaeus to come out of the tree so we could spend time with him. Today, the invitation we're talking about is Jesus' invitation to step out. That's our message today, the faith to step out. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we love you. We thank you that you are in this place. Lord, we thank you that you are in our hearts. And God, we ask that you would come today and do your work in our lives. Holy Spirit, you are so, so welcome. Jesus, we desperately need you. We desperately need you in our lives, God. Would you come help us to live lives of bold faith? And Lord, we just pray that this time would be blessed and anointed for your glory, for your honor, for your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen, amen. Before you're seated, turn to someone and say, I want to please God. Yes. And believe it. So have you ever done anything that's just scared the, the living you-know-what out of you? Anyone ever uh, gone uh, skydiving or maybe bungee jumping? Um, maybe even things that aren't so much physical, but just life Choices that have scared you, you know, maybe you had to move into a, a state or an area that you didn't know anybody and it was scary. And, or, uh, or maybe you've done something really scary and you got married. 
That's scary. Or maybe you've taken it up a notch from there and you had kids on purpose before you could afford them, which is actually a misnomer because there's no such thing as affording kids, right? They always cost more than you think they will, but they're worth it, amen? I think sometimes uh, God takes us into places where we can be fearful, where we have to, we have to fight that tension of fear in our life. Uh, I know there was uh, one practical thing that happened to me when I was in my mid-teens, I think. There was this pool that we used to go to a lot, a public pool, and it was before they took away all the high dives for insurance purposes, and this place still had a high dive, and I used to love to dive off of it. But, you know, I got to the place where I said, diving's not enough. I want to be able to do a one and a half off the high dive. And I'd seen other people do it, and I thought it was so cool. And I just remember thinking to myself, today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm just going to do it, and whatever happens, happens. And uh, I remember going up to the top of the high dive, and I was standing there, and I was, I was mustering up the strength and the, the courage to do it. And uh, I remember a couple times having to move aside and let somebody else go because it was taking me a while to work up the confidence to do it. But finally, I got to where I said, that's it, I'm doing it. And, uh, but before I did, I remember envisioning how it would look for me to do it right and to land it well. And that, that kind of gave me the courage I needed because up until that point, I was envisioning what it was going to look like if I didn't do it well. And I did the belly flop of the century or something worse, hit my head on the diving board or something, you know. And, and I, was in visual, I was visualizing everything that could go wrong, which, I mean, you know, that's what we do a lot of times. That's what keeps us from stepping out a lot of times because we visualize what could go wrong if we do it. And so we'd rather stay safe. But I finally started visualizing what it would look like to actually do it. And I, I mustered up the courage. I went out. I jumped. I did a one and a half, and I landed it. And I, I was so proud of myself. And I was still, I remember still being under the water, coming back to the surface and thinking to myself, man, I wonder if they're going to hoist me up on their shoulders or if they're going to bring in a chair to pick me up to carry me out of here. You know, everybody was going to be so impressed. I had friends there and everything. And when I came up to the surface and I looked around to my amazement, nobody cared. In fact, the only thing that was said was one of my friends looked at me and said, that was the ugliest one and a half I've ever seen. So nobody was impressed with my incredible feat of doing a one and a half off the diamond board or frankly just uh, overcoming my fear to do it. And you know, obviously this stepping out wasn't risky as far as my life was concerned. It didn't really change my life in the grand scheme of things. But it does have some components I think we deal with in our life when it comes to stepping out. First of all, when you do it for yourself, it's empty. You know, when you step out because you're wanting things for you, when you're wanting to better your life, when you're wanting to better yourself, it's always going to be empty as a follower of Jesus, especially because we are wired as followers of Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit in us. We are wired to honor him. We are, honored, we are wired to give him glory. Ephesians 1.12 tells us that our purpose in life is for the praise of his glory. So when we do it for our glory, we know it's empty. And maybe you've even done something where you stepped out, but you did it on your own and you realized after you stepped out, even though things went well, it felt empty. If you stepped out, maybe you started a business you wanted to work for yourself because you were tired of working for the man or you just wanted to have more money at your disposal and things went well, but you realized it was empty. And that's how it is for us as followers of Jesus because it's not meant to be for ourselves. It's meant to be for him. Or maybe, you know, when, when you look at the situation with me on the diving board, I think about fear and how fear is always going to be a tension in our life when it comes to stepping out in faith. Always. Because if, if, it, if it didn't take courage to step out, it wouldn't be no big deal. It doesn't, take me cur it doesn't take courage for me to walk from my bedroom to my bathroom because that's easy. 
But it does take courage to do something that where there's risk involved, where, there, where something could go bad. And so fear is always going to be a tension that we're having to deal with in our life. And I can tell you today that fear will cause you to waste your life if you're not careful. I told you I was going to jump right in today. It's, in fact, it's possible to have a saved soul and a wasted life. Fear won't make you lose your salvation, but it'll cause you to lack purpose. It'll cause you to live a life of comfort and, and miss out on so much of what God has for you in your life if you're not careful. Jesus has called us to a lifestyle of stepping out in faith. A lifestyle, not a one-time thing, but to live a lifestyle of living in such a way that we are constantly, we are consistently having moments in our life where there's that fear that's trying to tell us not to do it. And we're having to manage that tension in our life because we know that God's plan for us would be to step out and not to stay where we are. And there's a story that illustrates this very well, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it out of the Word. Um, it's out of Matthew 14, and this, is, this happened right after Jesus had fed the 5,000 with two, uh, two, or five loaves and two fish. Fed 5,000 men. So if you count the women and children there, probably more likely 10,000. One of the biggest miracles that's ever happened in the history of mankind, right? And this, this story here comes immediately on the heels of that happening. And it's in uh, Matthew 14, 22. It's a lengthy passage, but it's worth it. So I encourage you to stay with me. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat. Everyone say, Jesus made the disciples. I know, that's a weird thing to repeat, but I'm going to get back to it. So. And go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside to pray by himself. When evening came... He was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. There's the invitation from Jesus. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Notice here that he waited for the invitation before he stepped out onto the water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. What an amazing verse, or amazing passage. So, so Jesus invited, and Peter responded, and you see one of the greatest miracles in the whole Bible take place. Jesus is always inviting us to step out. He's always saying to us, come. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't times of waiting, but he is consistently in our life encouraging us to step out in faith. And me even saying that, some of you already know something in your life right now where you know that God has challenged you and you've resisted, or maybe you've done it and you've seen God's response to it. But there's always areas. I can't tell you where God is telling you to step out, but I know that he's constantly telling us to step out in faith. And what I want to give you is a few principles of stepping out in faith that we learn from this passage. And the first one is stepping out in faith goes against popular opinion. 
It will almost always go against popular opinion. Society, your flesh, the enemy of your soul will always encourage you to stay in the boat, to stay in that place of comfort. In fact, Peter, the same person in his first letter in chapter two, verse 11, he says that the sinful nature is waging war against your soul. So your nature, your sinful nature, your flesh is not just standing by hoping you don't make godly decisions. It's waging war against you always. So your, your nature is not to step out and to trust God. Your nature is to do what feels good for you. And we have to be aware of that. We have to recognize it, that, that our flesh, you know, you are your own worst enemy. You know that, right? No one has lied to you more than you. No one has done more harm to you than you in your whole life because that's our sinful nature. We know because there's always this tension of us wanting to do God's plan for our life, wanting to live for him, but also having that flesh that doesn't give up. And it's waging war against our soul. You know, if Peter would have taken a quick poll before he got out of the boat and asked the rest of the disciples in the boat, hey guys, what do you think I should do? I bet you'd have been 100% against. Public opinion would not have been on his side. In fact, if anybody did say he should do it, it's probably just somebody who was sick of his big mouth and was hoping he'd have to go take a swim, right? Because public opinion will not want to do it God's way. I could see them looking at Peter and saying, man, that is a crazy Pentecostal thing you're trying to do. You can't walk on water. You're not a duck, right? What do you think you're doing? God's a God of order. You know, there could have been all kinds of things trying to tell him that he should not be doing this. And you know how we know that these guys didn't necessarily want to do it with them was because nobody else did it with them. It doesn't say anybody else got out of the boat. They're not even mentioned by name because they stayed in the boat. They had a wait and see attitude. And let me tell you something today, church. The wait and see attitude of the Christian has kept us more from seeing the fullness of God in our life than any big sin ever will. That wait and see attitude of sitting back and just, you know, I'm going to kind of bide my time and, and see how this all goes first before I really step out on my own is killing us. Because if Jesus says, come, you know you can come. You know you can go. Okay? We have to be, we have to be sure that those steps we're taking are invitations from Jesus. But if he invites us, there's nothing in this world that should keep us from going out. Nothing should keep us from going out. The wait-and-see attitude is absolutely against what God would want for you and me because the wait-and-see attitude is seeing with these eyes. We're not meant to see spiritually with these eyes. We see spiritually with our faith. So it's not about waiting and seeing. It's about stepping out. It's about trusting him and saying, yes, God, if you say it, I will do it. And believing him and not necessarily going with public opinion. You see, because oftentimes, and I will say most times, that when we step out in faith, we're not going to see with these eyes before we do it. These eyes typically aren't going to see it until we've already done it in our faith. Because you know what? I can promise you, the Bible doesn't say it clearly, but I can promise you that there was no boardwalk that suddenly appeared on the water and Peter goes, oh yeah, that's where I'll step. And he stepped there. He did not know what was going to happen until his foot hit the water. That was when he could see that he was standing on water. So these eyes see after the faith eyes see. 
So we can't wait and see on public opinion in our life. And you might say, well, then does faith always, does faith contradict reason and, and rationale and, and the practical aspect of life? No, it doesn't contradict it. You know, the, 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 the reason, the rationale, the, the, the physical, tangible things in life are still there. You know, there were still fish swimming in that sea. The boat was still floating on the water. Still, things were happening. But when we are walking in faith, faith doesn't contradict reason. Faith goes beyond reason. It goes above and beyond. It says, I'm not just going to just go on reason, but my faith is actually going to take me beyond that. It doesn't negate it, but it'll take us beyond that. And that's a beautiful thing. And for somebody who I've said many times, I'm very, very practical. Sometimes that could be a difficult thing because we do like to see it before we believe it, right? That's our tendency. But, you know, Corinthians tells us that we walk by faith and not by sight. You can't do both. It doesn't say we walk by faith and sight. It says we walk by faith, not by sight. So we can't go by public opinion. The second one, stepping out in faith is where you find purpose. Everyone wants purpose, right? We all want purpose. Wanting purpose crosses over cultural lines, racial lines, age lines, gender lines, socioeconomic lines, all of them. Because every single person wants purpose in life. And I can tell you that his purpose for you is found by responding to his invitation to step out. That's where we find a greater purpose in our life. Because he is always inviting us. You know, his first invitation to us, to all of us, is to salvation, right. right? Some of the invitations he gives us to step out are different. You know, he may, he may encourage you to step out to do something to, that may be a financial thing, or he's encouraging you to, to sacrifice to give to somebody. He may challenge somebody else to step out in a way that would cause them to switch their job or, or to do different things. But there's one, one thing we know that he's inviting us all to, and that is to salvation, that's the first thing we respond to. That's the first stepping out we do with the invitations of Jesus. And, and I just want to say that if you're here today and you would say, well, I've never responded to that invitation. Maybe you didn't even know that was his invitation to you. Maybe you thought it was just for certain people. I can tell you today that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We are all part of whosoever. That includes everybody. If you will put your trust in him today, you can receive that salvation. And if you're here today, you never have. I can tell you, I believe with all my heart that God brought you here for this moment. Because, you know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. And if you're here, I want you to know that God loves you. And it doesn't matter what you've done. You're always only one step away from having faith in him and having salvation in him. It's just a matter of knowing that you're a sinner and you need a savior. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the exact same boat when it comes to that. None of us is good enough. So I encourage you to not leave here today without giving your heart to him and trusting him for your salvation. And then after that, then we're all in, a, in different boats as far as how we're responding to Jesus' invitations because they're different for us. But I can tell you that all of his invitations are for us to go to a deeper level of intimacy with him. Like whatever that is, whatever he's invited you to step out in, it is so that he can meet you in that place. You know, Jesus met Peter in that place when he walked on the water. And so Jesus can meet you there so you can go to a deeper level of intimacy, a deeper level of trust, a deeper level of relationship with him. That's the same goal for all of us too. And you know, people 
say all the time, they ask all the time, like, I want to know what God's will is for my life. You know, that's what we hear constantly. You probably think it a lot. We, we all do. It's our, it's our nature, which asking what God's will is is somewhat of a misnomer, too, because when we're talking about God's will, we're really talking about God's plan for, for our lives. Because God's will for our life, for, for, most, for a lot of us, a lot of his will for us is the same. It's that we would know him, that we would trust him, that we would love him, that we would live for him, that our lives would exalt him. The will of God for our life is that he would be exalted and glorified in our life. But he also has a plan for our life that is different for all of us. The plan God has for my life isn't the same plan as he has for your life and vice versa. And we want to know God's plan for our life. And I can tell you that God's plan for your life is virtually always outside the boat. Always outside of the boat. The wait and see doesn't work. If we're sitting back and, and just expecting God to somehow miraculously get us in his plan for our life by sitting back and waiting and that he's just going to come up and he's going to grab our hand and take us to where he wants us to be like, like somebody pulling somebody onto the dance floor that's scared to dance. That's not how it works. The Bible says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. He knocks. He doesn't bust the door down and say, hey, you're, you're coming with me. I got a plan for your life. There is a responsibility on our part. We have to exercise our faith. We have to, when he invites us, he's always inviting us. He's always calling to us to come and be in different, to go to different levels with him, to go to different places with him, to go to deeper places with him, to experience his fullness in our life. But there has to be a response on our part. There has to be a response on our part. And the reason that he's always, he's wanting us to do our part and step out of the boat is because it takes great faith to live out his plan for your life. If you're really going to live out God's plan, it takes great faith. Because, you know, some, I think some of us fall into the trap of thinking that if I could just find God's plan for my life, if he would just show me and take me into his plan for my life, everything will go great. Everything will be smooth. It'll be like butter. Life will be good and easy, and everything will just work out the way it's supposed to. My, my, my stuff's going to last longer than everybody else's. I'm going to have money that, that I won't even know where it came from. My kids are going to behave. I'm going to do great in school. Everything's just going to be perfect. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news today, but that's not really how it works. If you don't believe me, you can look at King David. He was anointed to be the king of Israel, and he ran for his life for about 13 years. Look at Peter himself, the man that did this. He stepped out. He lived, he lived God's plan for his life, and the reward he got for that was being crucified upside down. Now, I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen to all of us, but I am saying today that following God's plan for your life doesn't mean that everything's just going to go perfectly smooth. In fact, I can tell you today unequivocally, without question, that I am where God wants me to be in my life, that I am following his plan that I am exactly at the place that he wants me to be. He's made it clear to me a long time ago before this day ever happened. But I can also tell you that in the last, let's say, 10 years, I've had as many tough days as I've had good ones. Now, that doesn't mean God didn't help me through all of those. It doesn't mean that my joy had to take a hit. You know, when you're in God's plan, his joy is made complete in us. So the, the, the unex, unspeakable joy comes into our heart that when, when we do go through those tough times, you know, when Peter got out on the water, the waves didn't stop. But man, if he kept his eyes on Jesus, as long as he did that, he was able to rise above it. So if we're living his plan and our eyes are on him, we can rise above those troubles in our life and still have joy 
and still have peace and still be content and still be able to live life expectant and enjoy the life that God's given us. But it doesn't mean everything's going to go perfectly smooth. Stepping out will actually bring all different kinds of challenges in our life. But it's worth it. I can tell you today from experience, it is absolutely worth it. He wants people to lo- who love him enough to leave their comfort zone of a boat and do whatever it takes to glorify him. That's what he wants. And you might say, well, wait a minute. Jesus is the one that told them to get into the boat. Remember, I made you repeat that silly line after me that Jesus made the disciples get in the boat. So wait a minute. He made them get in the boat. And now, it's, now they're not following God if they don't get out of the boat. What, what is this? How do you follow Jesus? It's confusing. It's not confusing at all. They, they, they answered his invitation to get in the boat. Then Peter answered his invitation to get out of the boat. What that tells me is that we're going to be living a lifestyle of stepping out. We're living a lifestyle of, of answering the invitations of Jesus. We don't get to rest on our laurels because we made a decision and we stepped out. We did something and now it's like, okay, good, now I've arrived. And maybe the, some of the other disciples thought that. Like, well, Jesus told us to get in the boat. We're getting in the boat. That's it. We're good. And then they missed out on this incredible blessing of walking on water because they, maybe they thought, I'm just going to stay in the boat because that's what Jesus told me. We can easily get caught up in that of just resting and thinking, you know what? I stepped out in faith a couple of years ago about something and, and so I think I'm good for a while. You know, I think I'm just going to sit tight, let God just, you know, kind of bless me because I was obedient to him. And I'm sure he's thrilled with me because I'm just so amazing at being obedient, stepping out. And, you know, nobody else wanted to do what I did that time. So I think it's okay. We can, we can, we can uh, live the mistake of thinking that because we did something a while ago that, that we're good enough, that we can just rest on that. To, to live in the history of your faith, that's a scary place. Because every new day has new opportunities to grow your faith, has new opportunities to step out, has new opportunities to trust him in a greater way. I don't know about you, but I don't ever want to stop growing in my trust of Jesus, ever, until the day I see him face to face. We should all be in that place in our life. I want to tell you today that you guys know I love you, but I also have to speak truth, and I know I've been doing, I've been living life long enough and even been in church work long enough to know that many people will never step out of the boat. Never. No matter, I can be up here and preach my heart out and it may even sound good and feel kind of good today, but the stepping out of the boat typically happens outside of this building where it's not as easy. And some will just never do it. And and I want to challenge you today and I want to encourage you that stepping out is really where we get to experience God in ways that we can never experience him in the boat. Amen. And you might say, I just, I'm just not there. I just can't do it. Like the thought of stepping out into something that I don't know what's on the other side and trusting a God that I can't see with my physical eyes, I just can't do it. And you know what? I'm not here to beat you up. God has grace for that. But I, that, that needs to be a, a commitment and a priority in our prayer life that God helped me to stop looking with these eyes, but to look with the eyes of my faith and to trust you. Because I can tell you, if we, if we never get out of the boat and we buy the lie that maybe somehow God will still help me find my purpose for my life, even though I'm going to stay right here, you don't find it. It's a fraudulent, it's a phony purpose. 
if we stay in our comfort zone forever. It really is. And I, I, I don't want you to be naive to the, to the fact that many, many Christians never get to fulfill their purpose because they're unwilling to get out. Some people would like to think that no matter what, God's will is going to be done. For somehow, some way, he's going to figure out a way to get me to fulfill the purpose he has for my life. We have a part to play. And, and I've said it before, I'll say it again. Jesus said when he told us how to pray, he said, you pray that my kingdom would come and my will would be done on earth like it is in heaven. The only place God's will is done all the time is in heaven. So he's saying, you need to pray that my will will be done on earth. And I would go another step to say, and in you. He says, pray that my will would be done in your life. If it's, if it's a guarantee that his will is going to be done, we don't have to pray it. And many of us miss his plan for us because we're too unwilling to step out. And you know what? God's good. His love, his grace covers all of that. This isn't a salvation issue. And I'm thankful for that. But man, so many of us miss out on what God has for us. And not only that, what he has for those people out there that need to see people in the church that are willing to step out in faith and trust the God that we say we love. Yes. Amen? Yes. They need to see it. All right, let me give you the third one. Stepping out in faith will bring a time of testing. You might be thinking, well, if you're trying to talk me into stepping out, you're not doing a very good job. I get to step out and I get to get tested. More times than not, it will bring a time of testing. You know, the wind and the waves didn't stop when Peter stepped out. He was being tested. And the same man that stepped out wrote this in 1 Peter 1. He says, you may have had to suffer griefs and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which is perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. He's saying here that God tests us to prove the genuineness of our faith because that is more important than our comfort. The genuineness of our faith is infinite times more important to God than our comfort. And he will do it. I, I preached a couple years ago, I think, actually, on uh, the difference between a test, a trial, and temptation. And how, you know, temptation always comes from the enemy. It's always from the devil. God doesn't tempt us. A trial comes from the enemy, but God allows it in our life. But a test is actually something that comes from God. God will test the genuineness of our faith. And we need to understand that. We need to recognize that. And we need to be okay with that. And I can tell you that if God's the one giving the test, I'm okay with it. Because he's always got a plan. He doesn't test us so that we'll fail. He tests us so that our faith will grow and it will be proven in our life. And see, God brings this testing of our faith because faith is only proven in the fire. It's proven in the test. That's the only place it's proven. You could say you have faith all day. If, if, nothing, if everything's going great, I could tell everybody I got the faith of a liar. But it's only tested and it's only proven if something happens where I have to put it into practice. You know, if you got a football team and you got the best quarterback that's ever been known to man on your team and he's on the sidelines while the game is being played, guess what? It ain't doing any good. His athletic ability, his smarts, his, his knowledge, his, his size, his arm strength, all of those things that make him great don't benefit the team at all if he's on the sidelines while the game's being played. 
the only way that his ability gets to be a blessing or an advantage is if it's in the game. And that's the only way you can truly know if he's any good. That's how we know if our faith or where our faith is, is when it's tested. So God brings the testing and he'll bring it when we step out. But boy, if God brings the test, on the other side of it is always good. It's always good. It's always a way for us to grow. It's always a way for us to bring him glory, but it's going to be for our good. Romans 8, 28, Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. All things. A preacher quoted one time, he said, if it ain't good, God ain't done. If he's working in it, you can trust that it's going to be good. Now, what good looks like could be different than what we think it looks like sometimes. But he's always going to help us come through those things. And this, if, if he's testing us as we step out, what it does, if we know that that's coming, and part of the reason I'm really wanting you to get this today is because if we know that's coming, then before we step out, it forces us to check our motives. Because, you know, if we step out for our own glory, the, the promises from the word aren't, don't apply. You know, when I dove off that high dive for my own glory, it, nobody cared. That's how it is even in life. When we do it for ourselves, it's empty. In fact, James tells us in chapter 4, verse 3, he says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. If we step out for our own glory, James tells us we're not going to get what we ask because we're just wanting it for ourselves. Some of us have fallen into that trap. We've done it because we wanted to do it, but we convinced ourselves, fooled ourselves into saying that this was actually for God when really it was for us. And then it doesn't happen the way we thought it should happen. We have to be very, very careful of that because God cares about our pleasure too. He's a good God. He's a good father. And as a parent, I could tell you I like it when my kids are happy, but it's not my number one priority in their life. And it's not God's for us either. He wants his glory to be revealed in our life, first and foremost. I can tell you today that God is for God, first. And our life is designed to bring him glory. I mean, I, this, is, this is the crux of everything that we say and do in church that we want you to know is that God has designed you as an instrument to bring him glory to bring him honor, to bring him praise, that your life would exalt the name of Jesus. That is first and foremost the priority of God for your life. And if the testing of your faith helps develop that in your life, bring it on. Amen? All right. Lastly, I'm going to give an honorable mention to one more here because I'm only supposed to do three, but I'm doing four because you guys are so smart. Fourth, would be stepping out in faith will encourage others in their faith. It will encourage others. This is a uh, fringe benefit. It's a byproduct of us stepping out. That passage I read, it says that those in the boat worshipped him when they got back in the boat. And part, that was partly because Jesus also calmed the wind and the waves too. But that whole scenario of Peter stepping out of the boat, it caused the disciples to worship Jesus because of Peter's step of faith. When we do things for God's glory, 
and, and people see him come through in these situations. There's a spiritual component to this that we don't even have to understand and we never will, but there's a spiritual component that causes worship and praise and honor to be given to Jesus even from other people. And, and we do understand part of this because you probably experienced this in your life. When you've seen other people using, uh, exercising their faith and you saw what happened and they were testifying about it and you know what it did to you, it stirred you up, right? Because that's what it does. It stirs us up. That's why we'll put video testimonies up here on the screen, not for your entertainment, but to stir you up in the Lord. I love it when someone's testifying about the faithfulness of God. I love to listen. You'll always have my attention if you're testifying about God's faithfulness because I know what it does for me too. You know, I've heard the stories many times of how this church ended up here from Broad Street to somewhere else, to Crawford Avenue, to Wheeler Road, to here. And I've heard them many times, and it always stirs my faith because I see how the church and the leadership and Pastor Bowen had to take these steps of faith. They didn't see with these eyes. They were seeing with the, their eyes of faith, and they were taking these steps of faith, and God was meeting them. You know, this, this place didn't just appear and was ready for church and somebody come to Pastor Bowen's office and give him a couple million dollars and say, here, have church here next week. They had to take steps of faith. They had to walk it out. And as they did, it was encouraging others. And it was challenging others. And you saw their faith being built. And now, even now, today, we're here in this place and we can look back at that and say, God was faithful. And even that can stir our faith even today. What happened 20, 30, 40 years ago? can stir our faith even today. So when we step out, when we're obedient to God, when we answer his invitation to step out, it will encourage others in their faith as well. And we have a responsibility to exercise our faith, not just for ourselves, but for others. God will be glorified through it. And the thing we have to remember is that when we respond to Jesus' invitation to step out, we have to remember that the win is obedience. It's about, it's about obeying him. It's about hearing his call and obeying it. Okay, we can't fall into the trap of thinking that if I step out, it's always going to look the same way. There's no cookie cutter stepping out, okay? We can't fall into the trap of thinking, well, if I step out, it's going to be just like Peter. Peter got immediate gratification, didn't he? As soon as he stepped out, the water was able to hold him. He, he, he saw the fruit immediately as he stepped out. And that's wonderful. And sometimes that does happen. You know, you see uh, Abraham, God told Abraham, sacrifice your son, your only son, Isaac. Abraham takes him, ties him up, he's ready to sacrifice him, and the angel stops him. He got an immediate response from his stepping out from God. Immediately, God saved his son, protected him, and blessed him. You see the, uh, the woman with bleeding who, who worked her way through the crowd. She stepped out in faith and just touched the hem of Jesus' garment, and she was immediately healed. And she stepped out in faith because that could have went bad for her. They could have thought she was trying to attack Jesus and they could have beat her up or threw her in jail. No telling what could have happened to her. But she stepped out in faith. She touched the hem of his robe. She was healed. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. She immediately got the gratification and the response from her stepping out. But it doesn't always look that way. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes there's, there's, a, there's a time where we have to a waiting time, even after we step out. Look at Noah. God told him to build an ark. He said, I'm going to flood the earth with rain. It had never rained on the earth up until that point. So this was a huge step of faith for Noah. Well, he didn't get immediate gratification. It took him 120 years to build this thing with people mocking him and ridiculing him, saying, what are you doing? 
you're a crazy man. He built the ark and you know what happened. Sometimes it takes time. There's times it'll be delayed. Not only will it be delayed, it'll get worse before it gets better. Even after you step out. Think about Moses. Moses took a step of faith. God said, Moses, I mean, God spoke to him as clearly as anyone's ever been spoken to, right? Literally communed with him. So you would think, well, that'd be easy for Moses to step out. It still wasn't easy. He fought it, but he finally did it. He stepped out. He went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. It got pretty bad for them. 10 plagues. It got a lot worse before it got better. But you know what? It did get better. God responded. God answered. When they, when they responded to his invitation, God did his part. He was faithful. Sometimes it won't even turn out like you think it will. Sometimes you step out and you think that it's going to happen a certain way and it doesn't. Sometimes you're not even going to see the fruit of stepping out in the natural. Sometimes you'll step out and it'll look different than how you thought it was going to look. But you know what? That's why I'm saying today the win is to be obedient. I've stepped out at times where I, I felt like God said to do something and I stepped out and I did it. It didn't happen the way I thought it was supposed to happen. But you know what? It doesn't make me question God. Either I didn't hear him right or there's something going on that I don't know about. And that has to be okay with us, right? Because at the end of the day, God is always faithful. Jesus has never let anyone down in the history of the world. You know, in fact, last week in my, in my message, I was talking about the fact that Jesus is always faithful. And, and one of my kids came to me after the service and said, hey, if, 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 when you say God's always faithful, like how does that look when, you know, Christians do things that they think God wants them to do and they, you know, it doesn't go good for them. Or they get killed or something bad happens. You know, like, how do we say that God is always faithful even when it doesn't always look like it? And uh, I was actually really glad because I'm like, oh, my kids are thinking for themselves, you know? Because that's a question we all have, isn't it? All of us have had that question. Like, I know, we know God's faithful. We know the Bible says he's faithful, but man, there's certain times it doesn't look like it. And what I said to her is what I would say to myself when, when I question it is, you know what? God's faithfulness doesn't depend on how it looks. If it doesn't look like I think it's supposed to look, he didn't miss it. I did. Even if, even if you have these situations where, you know, I, in fact, I think she mentioned like the disciples dying for their faith. I'm like, well, if, if God's faithful, even in the midst of them dying for their faith, then what does faithfulness look like? Because at the end of the day, the disciples, they won. The goal, the win is not to make everything happen on this earth that's really great and, and rosy and candy canes and, and ice cream cones everywhere. The, the win is that we would display his glory on this earth through our lives, that our, that our lives would elevate him. And at the end, we're with him. So this life, the Bible is very clear, this life is but a vapor. We can't put all our eggs in the basket of the earth life. Of these 60, 70, 80, 90 years we get on this earth. And my eggs aren't in this basket. I, I, got, I got, the eggs in this basket are plastic. My good eggs are in the eternal basket. That's where I want it to be. So God's faithful because no matter what happens on this earth, that nothing can snatch me out of his hands. Nothing can ever separate me from his love. That, that's all I need. Now, do I want things to go well here and things to be nice and smooth and everything to be cushy and clean and comfortable? Of course. But I'm not going to, God's faithfulness doesn't depend on whether or not those things happen. His faithfulness is who he is. The Bible says one of his names is faithful. We don't have to question whether or not he's faithful. 
We just look to him. Because, you know, you can even look at the fact that Peter was sinking after he got out of, out of the boat and he was walking for a little bit, but then he started to sink. You can say, well, you know, God wasn't faithful there. You had to, Jesus had to grab him and pull him up. Peter's sinking there had nothing to do with God not being faithful. It was a matter of Peter's unbelief. The Bible is very clear. It says it. that he started seeing, noticing the wind and the waves and he got scared and he started to, he took his eyes off of Jesus. So even in the midst of that, God was still faithful because Jesus didn't let him sink and go all the way down. He grabbed him and brought him back up. He is always, always faithful in our lives. And that tells us that if, if, if our faith, if we're in a situation where our faith is letting us down, it's not God being unfaithful. You know, there's a, there's a movement out there that's all about faith, and everything is if you have enough faith, God has to do what you want him to do because you have enough faith, so that forces him to move on your behalf. I believe that's heresy Amen. all day, every day. But, because, but we don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. There's still an aspect where we have to exercise our faith. Because the Bible's clear that Jesus in his hometown, he couldn't even do many miracles. And it says very clearly because of their unbelief, because of their lack of faith. So don't, don't throw it all out because some people have taken it to the extreme. There's still a part for us to play. We have to have faith. And that we have to exercise it. And that we have to step out. And that we have to trust God. You know, I mentioned a minute ago that, that I believe that I'm exactly where God wants me to be. And I believe that this is, was God's plan for our life, but I can tell you just as strongly that we, Joy and I, had to make nothing short of three to four epic steps of faith to even get to this place. No, I mean, big ones, where we were looking at each other going, are we sure? If we miss this, it's not going to be good. And we had to step out. And I can tell you today that I believe with all my heart that if, that if we had heard the voice of God say what he wanted us to do, and we just sat back and said, okay, God, do it, we would not be here today. If we let fear get in the way and cause us to not make those tough decisions of stepping out, we would not be here today. If we didn't step out, if we didn't exercise our faith and respond to Jesus' invitation, we would not be here today. And God is no respecter of persons. If he's doing that to us, he's doing that for all of us. He is calling us to great things. He's calling us to great purpose in our life. And I don't know what that looks like for you. But I know that you're not going to find it staying in the boat. And I would challenge you today to not allow the fear that we have to deal with to keep us in the boat. Our flesh, the world is waging war against our faith. And our faith will fail sometimes, but Jesus is always faithful, and we can trust him. Amen? Would you stand with me today as I close in prayer? I want to encourage you today to, to respond to this word. We're not bringing people to the altar because we are socially distancing as much as we can. I am thankful that you guys are here today. I know it's, I know it's scary out there in some respects, but... We don't have to come to an altar, though, to respond all the time. So as we pray, would you just lift your hands, close your eyes, kneel at your seat, whatever you want to do, but just receive this prayer and open your heart today. Let's pray. Father God, we do love you. 
We thank you today, Lord, because we know that you are worthy of our lives. Jesus, we thank you that you are inviting us to step out. Lord, would you give us the courage to answer that invitation? Lord, for those that are here today that just need to respond to the invitation to salvation, God, would you help them not to leave this place, Lord, without responding, without giving them your, giving you their heart? We thank you today, Lord, that if we confess you with our mouth and believe in our hearts that God raised you from the dead, that we will be saved. And that 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Help us all today, Lord, to put our trust in you. And God, wherever you're calling us out, whatever it is, Lord, for each individual in this room, listening online, whatever it is, God, would you take us to that place where we're willing to say yes, where we're willing to see you with the eyes of faith to step out and to trust you, God. You are worthy, Jesus. We need you so desperately, God. Show us our desperate need for you and help our lives to exalt you, to glorify you, to honor you in every way. We must decrease, you must increase in our lives. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Let's praise God this afternoon just for a moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You're worthy of our praise, Lord. You are worthy, Lamb of God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Father.